This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, how is everybody tonight? Amen. What are we, like six days before Christmas or something? Come on, it's the most wonderful time of the year, amen? And I'm praying it'll get colder and colder and colder. I want want to see the coldest that Barstow has to offer, amen? You know, (laughs) anyway. Uh, so, hallelujah, we're going to have a great time tonight. Um, my brother, Josh, was going to give the message up until about an hour ago, and he, uh, some sickness tried to hit him, so he tagged me in, and so here I am. So, uh, he was going to be talking about marriage, uh, they were going to be sharing marriage lessons from Joseph and Mary, and I was like, hey, I can talk about marriage too, I've been married for a long time, so I'm going to talk about, uh, about family tonight and protecting your home. And so that's the title of tonight's message is Protect the Home. Protect the Home. Amen. You gotta pretend like you're little Kevin off of Home Alone and then the, you know, the, the bandits are trying to get in and you gotta protect that place, man. And the truth of the matter is this, is that there is an attack against every family. And we're gonna get into this a little bit. But I also am fully aware that, especially around this beautiful time of year, Christmas, the holiday season, when it's all about Jesus and, and, and we're, we're working on our families that the devil would love to come in right now, just days before Christmas, and do something to your family and cause some strife, some fighting, some arguing, some bitterness, some resent, whatever the, whatever the case is. Believe me, Satan wants to come in and bring that into your house. And so, obviously, if burglars showed up to your home, would you just sit there and open the door and say, come on in, whatever you want? No! You'd put up a fight, man. You would, if you have any sense, you'd do something about it. Amen? And so, that's what we're talking about tonight is protect the home. And I believe that this will apply to every single person here, married or not married. If you're related to somebody, which you got to have some sort of kinfolk, right? You're related to somebody, this is for you. Amen? So let's pray, and let's get into the Word of God tonight, because as you know, on Wednesday nights, we don't have a whole lot of time, so I want to cover this. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, so much that we have a church to come and worship you in, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for this beautiful time of year, the Christmas season, God, whenever we're celebrating Jesus coming into this world. And we know that Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah 9-6, and that's what you desire for us to have in our households is peace, the peace of God. And so show us what we need to see tonight, and I pray that every person here be encouraged and and built up, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So three quick things we're going to say tonight about protecting your home, all right? The first thing is this, and this is undeniable. Number one is that Satan wants to attack your home. Whether you believe it or not, that's fine. He wants to attack your home. Whether you believe that, that there's a devil or not, fine, whatever. He's still there. He's still there. You know, in fact, in nearly every poll taken, the majority of Americans believe that there is a God. You know, maybe they don't all agree on who it is, but the majority of Americans believe that there's a God. But shockingly, the exact same people, the much lesser percentage, believe that there's a devil. But guess what? There's still a devil, and he's just as real as God is. God's more powerful. God's going to protect you. But listen to me. There is an enemy out there, and if you don't think there's an enemy, you're a fool. you got your head stuck in the sand, and you're in the middle of a war zone with live rounds going off, man. 
You need to acknowledge the fact that he's real and quit being in denial. And so let me show you something here in John 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. There we go. Amen. And so you, you, you should, if you've been here very long, you know this verse. This is one of our most common verses because it is, it's key. This is a foundational verse that you need to, you need to know this. John 10, verse 10. And I'll read this in the New King James tonight, but John 10, verse 10. And I encourage you, you should highlight this in your Bible if, if you haven't yet. But it says, the thief, who's the thief? It's the devil. The thief, the devil does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And so Jesus tells us right here the difference. Listen, Satan comes to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's done the exact same three things for a very long time, and he's done it very well, because a lot of people don't know how to defend themselves, and they don't know how to stop the attack. But if there's anything in your life, anything that's being you know, stealed, killed, or destroyed, you don't have to sit there and think, I wonder if God's the one attacking our family, right? Maybe God's putting us through a hardship to teach us something. No. Because Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, I don't know. Maybe God's just trying to... Maybe God's the one that caused this terrible thing to happen. He did not. Don't accuse the father of abuse. He's not a child abuser, okay? You're his child, and he's not here to abuse you. He's here. He'll teach you. He'll correct you. No doubt about it. The Lord disciplines those he loves, but he doesn't do it through smacking you around and through giving you disease and splitting up your marriage and making your kids hate you. That's the work of the devil. Jesus would not do that to you. And so Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. And life more abundantly, and I love the literal translation of that. The New Living Translation says that they may have a rich and satisfying life. So who in here wants to have a rich and satisfying? That sounds better to me than being stolen from, killed and destroyed. I'd much rather have the life and the life more abundantly. I'm going to read you a quote that Gloria Copeland shared in their uh, daily devotion, the Faith to Faith Daily Devotion. She said, spiritually speaking, your family is under attack. You see, it's not only one of your most precious gifts, but when it's operating in harmony, it's one of your most powerful resources. Satan knows that even if you don't, and he is out to destroy it. And so, yes, there is an attack on you. And whether you realize it or not, one of your greatest strengths in your life is your family, your wife, your husband, your kids. And you may not you may not see it, but they're one of the most valuable and powerful resources that you have. And I'm telling you right now, if there's one thing that Satan wants to attack, it's the Christian family. I promise you that. Christian family is one of the strongest units, one of the strongest things that God ever made. A mom and dad and kids being raised in the ways of God. That is powerful powerful a mom and dad they get married to each other not being mean they get married to each other have children and raise them in the ways of god satan he doesn't he can't if, if you'll stick with god and you will and you will raise another generation of children in the ways of god satan is terrified of having that young people 
being raised in the ways of God, that is his worst nightmare. And he will do anything he can to attack that, to stop that, and, and, and to destroy that. He will. I promise you that. And, you know, California, we've been innovators of a lot of great things, you know. I don't know what, but just good things. But one of the bad things that that we've that this state innovated was the no fault divorce law in 1970. And I, you know, back then, before then, I mean, if you wanted to get a divorce, you had to like actually prove your case, right? And I and hey, I'm not justifying any abuse. That's bad. You need to get out of that. But before that, you couldn't just say, ah, he has bad breath in the morning. I can't be married to him. Kidding me? She can't even cook a quesadilla. What good is she? I'm out of here. No, no, people, you know, that's stupid, but, but that's the type of stuff these days that you can just get a divorce over. That's wrong. And California came up with this no-fault divorce, and, and pretty soon all 49 other states followed our lead. And the divorce rate since 1970 has skyrocketed to over 50% of marriages. Now, that sounds like a scary thing because I was always told, and the bad news is, is that it's just as high amongst church people. In fact, it's even slightly higher. People told me that, and I believed it. But the good news is, is that is an absolute lie. That is not true at all. Not true at all. In fact, I think it was a Harvard uh, uh, study over a several-year period. They studied couples that didn't just say they were Christians. Couples that literally do go to church and take their children. So not half-baked, part-time Christians. The real deal. People like you. People that actually go to church and read their Bibles and pray with their children. Real Christians. You know know what I'm saying? Real Christians. That divorce rate is, I mean, minuscule. I I should have looked it up. But it's it's like 5%. or It is so low. It's crazy. It's barely on the map. Well, how, what's the deal? You're making God your foundation, right? And so we see Jesus tells the story of the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. These two guys have a lot in common because bad storms came to both of these guys' lives. But the difference is the guy with the right foundation, same storm came, but it didn't do, it didn't knock him down. The guy with the sandy foundation, the exact same storm, shattered his life and tore it to pieces. A Christian family that actually goes to church, reads their Bibles, prays with their children, teaches I mean, this, is, this isn't a deep teaching. I'm going to admit that. This isn't like some deep theological breakthrough I'm giving you. But this basic elementary level stuff is the solid foundation that will keep your family together. It's it's incredible, I, I love it. I love it. And and you know, uh, I I make this a priority, man. Praying for my wife and kids. I hope you do that every day. Like, well, of course I do. I, I most people I know don't actually do that. But every day, I pray specifically. And there's six people in my household. That's a lot of heads, a lot of a lot of mouths. But I pray for every single one of them individually. And I'm telling you, man. It's it's beautiful, I, and I'm 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 using myself as an example because that's what I've got. I'm not by far not the perfect husband, dad, and all that, but I do have enough sense to read the Bible to my kids. I can tell you that. And so every day we do read the Bible together. Every morning at the breakfast table, 
And uh, there's many things that I could improve on. On the way to school, we have a half-hour drive to school. Every single person in the car prays, even Sam, and he's two years old. I don't know what he's saying. I really don't. But I do hear Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so I know that much. I, but I have no idea what that kid's praying for. No idea. But he's praying. And so I'm telling you, this is just, this isn't deep, but it's foundational. You need to guard your house. You need to protect your family like it's the greatest treasure that you have. It's huge. There's nothing sadder than seeing a family split apart. And that's not the will of God. He came to give life and life more abundantly. And so that's my encouragement tonight, man. If you are making God your foundation, it's next to impossible to break that household up. I mean, it is not going to happen if God's your foundation. I can tell you that right now. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, amen? So Katie and I, we got married at 19 years old. I turned, She turned 19 on July 21st. I turned 19 on July 24th. We got married on July 31st. So we were 19 years old. Now I have little, you know, runs come to me and want to get married at 18 and 19. And I, I think you're just a little kid. But I'm sure that's what we looked like. But we, we got married. And and here we are. And people told us, you know, well, you're, you're crazy. You never even lived together. I had people say that. I went into my work. I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis. I came in on Monday and said, hey, I got engaged over the weekend. What? You're insane. You're I mean, they would have rather me came in and said, hey, I robbed a bank this weekend and shot four people. They would have been like, wow, what a weekend. <laughs> but I came in and said I got engaged. At, at I was 18 at the time. 18. And, and people were angry at me. You've never lived together. You've never even been with her. You've never slept with her. You're darn right I haven't because I love her. And I respect her enough that I don't need to do that to her. I've got enough respect for her. And, I, you know, again, I'm just talking about me, but I've never been with another woman except for Katie. And she's never been with another man except for me. And I'm not embarrassed about that one bit. I don't I'm not embarrassed about that at all. I, I'm fine with that. And 14, yeah, 14 and a half years, 2019 will be 15 years of uh, of being married. You know, uh, we waited a few years to have kids. Now we've got a whole ton of them. But here we are. And listen. And and not everything's been perfect, but God's been the foundation. And so any storm that's came, we've made it through. But Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, put on all of God's armor. So it, it says all, not some of it or not the pieces that you agree with. But it says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now there is a lot wrapped up into those verses right there. There's a lot of things that we could that we could uh, uh, tackle right out of this. But notice, it says right here, verse 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Flesh and blood means people. Your husband is not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. Your children are not the enemy. It says, but we are fighting. We are, there is a war and we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the stark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so that tells me that yes, there isn't a battle going on, but it's not my wife and kids that I'm supposed to be fighting. It's the devil. It's the enemy. It's the unseen enemy. It's evil spirits in the heavenly places, as it says right there. And you and you have to know this, that Satan is fairly smart. 
And it says right here in verse 11 that we need to be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. It'd be, I mean, it'd be easy if he just attacked the exact same way every single time. You know what I mean? If I'm playing basketball and I know that this guy can only go right, if you're a basketball player, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard him every single... I know he's got one move. He can only go... He can't even go left. So I'm just going to stand there and guard that, right? But the devil's not like that. It says strategies. The King James says wiles of the of the wicked one. That means there's tricks. There's he tries different ways. He's like, well, I can't. Well, mom and dad aren't fighting. I'll go get the kid. I'll get I'll get the kids mad at mom and dad. And 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 he will try nonstop to assault the household and 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 bring fighting and strife in there. But I'm telling you right now that a family functioning in harmony is. I mean, that's one of the most unstoppable forces that there are in this world. It's incredible to have a mom and a dad and, and kids that, that are serving God, that are working together as a team, and the devil comes and knocks on the door and they say, in the name of Jesus, I resist you, and they don't fall for it. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And so, Kenneth Copeland said, and I read some from Gloria, his wife, but Kenneth Copeland said, living in a home filled with the love and the peace of God himself is almost like having heaven right here on earth. Living in a home filled with the love and the peace of God himself is almost like living in heaven right here on earth. And that's the truth. That's the will of God for you and for your family. And when Jesus prayed, he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't think in heaven that, that, that everyone's up there fighting. And, and I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff on the, I just saw just over a, oh my gosh, I, yeah. And actually all these things happen in Florida. So if anyone's from Florida, hey, we're going to watch our backs around you. But anyway, uh, now my sister lives there. But anyway, so I saw over Thanksgiving, a dad and a son get into a fight over a football game. And the dad shot the son. I just saw this over Thanksgiving. I was like, what? Are you serious? And then I just, I was reading the news yesterday, and, and a, dad, a dad shot his adult son for beating up the other son because I got in a fight over a game of pool. Like, whoa, Lord have mercy. And he, he killed the oldest son. Shot him several times because he, was, he was, had his, the younger son in a chokehold. A 30-year-old man had his 26-year-old brother in a chokehold because he got mad that his brother won the game of pool. And so the dad had to shoot him to stop him. And, and it, was, it was a bad scene. And I'm like, that is, that's worst-case scenario. I'm going to admit that. But that, that, that is some bad stuff right there. That is not the will of God. Jesus prayed for thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's not happening in heaven. I can promise you that. And I'm telling you, some of the stuff that we face and go through and deal with in our homes, that's not going on in heaven. And so we need to be praying ourselves, Lord, I want your will to be done in this household as it is in heaven. And so, number one, it's an undeniable fact, whether you admit it or not, is that Satan does want to attack your home, and he will. And the second thing I'm going to say is this, this is kind of common sense, but stop him. Stop him. Fight back. Do something about it. 
Again, if somebody, you know, someone was going to break into your home and you had, you know, a foreknowledge about it, would you just sit there and wait for them to and not do anything and you'd, you'd open the door and let them in? And No, you would do something about it. And so if I could say one word tonight for all of us, whether it be marriage or the rest of our family, forgive, 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 forgive. Forgive. You have to be a family that walks in forgiveness. And so I want to look at an Old Testament verse here. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. Are we learning anything tonight? Amen. I want to bless you, man. I want strong families, strong marriages. So Isaiah 43 And we're going to look at verse 25. And just as a side note, in Ephesians 4.32, we're told to forgive others the same way that God forgave you. And so the word says that you need to forgive other people just like Jesus forgave you. Well, how did Jesus forgive you? Well, let's look at Isaiah 43, verse 25. Here's what it says about the forgiveness of God. The Lord said, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. That's some powerful forgiveness right there. When God forgives, He forgets. He doesn't sit there and dwell on it and keep bringing it up all the time. Have you ever been in a situation where you 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 did something wrong? You sinned. We've all done it. and But you repented. You stopped doing it. You asked for forgiveness and moved on in life. That's repenting. You ask forgiveness and then you stop doing it. Now you keep doing it. You know, you keep blowing up in rage and hitting people and cursing them out. I'm going to begin to doubt doubt the genuineness of your repentance if you keep doing it all the time. I don't think he meant it. He's still hitting me. I, I don't think he really meant that. But repenting is asking for forgiveness and stopping the action. Now if you've truly repented and then say... You start having these feelings of guilt again. You know, maybe a couple months later, it starts coming back to you. Oh my gosh. Do you remember when you did that? And, 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 and you get this feeling of guilt. Listen, that is not God bringing that up. That is the enemy. The accuser of the brethren. That's Satan. Because if we truly repented, God said, I promise you, I will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. God is not going to bring up your past mistakes and failures. The devil will all day long. He'd love for you to sit there and and rehash that and keep going over it again. But God will not do that because when God forgives us, God forgets that it ever happened. And so I'm telling you now, you could come up to God when you get to heaven and say, man, you remember that time that I did this? And he's going to say, no, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Because when he forgives... He forgets. And the Bible is literal. If you really did repent and you really are sorry, God forgets that it ever happened. Remember one day, uh, actually it was back when I was working at FedEx still. I got a couple FedEx stories tonight for whatever reason. But I was sitting there tossing your boxes onto an airplane one day. You're taking care of your fragiles. And uh, anyway, so, so I got your stuff on the plane. I did my part. 
And, uh, and, but I mean, I started getting all the, just this, I've never had it before then or since then, this overwhelming feeling of guilt and condemnation and just every bad thing I'd ever done came to my memory. And, and I'm sitting there for hours like, oh, you, you, oh my gosh, you are the biggest loser. You did this, you, you know, and, and that's why this happened and that's why this happened and on and on. And I mean, for out until I was just about to like jump off a cliff, I, the lowest I felt in my life. And then, and then all of a sudden it comes to me, wait a minute. I dealt with these things and I talked to God about it and I stopped doing them and I, I am sorry. And I, 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 re, I genuinely repented and gave that to the Lord. This is not God the Father coming to remind me of all my past mistakes. This is an all out attack from the enemy. And he's coming in to try to separate me from God. Because in the New Testament, it talks, you know, the, the word devil is used many times in the New Testament. That's a Greek word, diabolos. And diabolos means an accuser and one that separates. Satan's entire goal is to separate your relationship with God, right? And so, if he can blow up your household, it'll pull you away from God. If he can get you to think, man, God's mad at me, God, oh, God, God doesn't like me. God's mad at me. He's holding this against me. He's driving a wedge between you and God. He's slandering and separating you from God. And that's not going to work. One time, Jesus came up to Peter, and, and it's a beautiful verse to me. I think it's in the book of Luke. I should have looked it up. But, but he comes up to Peter and says, Peter, Satan is desiring to sift you as wheat. But I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith will fail not. And and I'm, I'm reading, I'm like, my gosh, wow. I, I think we've all been sifted. Because to sift means to violently shake, to separate from that which is useful. That's what sifting is. It's to shake something up and trying to separate it from that which is useful. And Satan, has he ever come in and tried to shake your life up and just try to get you to let go of what grip that you have on God? Trying to shake that entire household. Shake it violently. And what he's doing is trying to separate you from that which is useful. And that meaning God the Father. Your relationship, your foundation of your entire house. He will come and shake things up. And Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter. I'm praying that your faith will fail not. And that's the prayer that I have for everybody here. And for me and, and for you and for all of us. Is that Satan will try to come and do this. But I'm not going to sit there and put up with it. I'm going to fight back. And I'm going to pray that my faith fail not and my faith will not fail and your faith will not fail. And so we're in the Old Testament. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're covering quite a bit of ground in a 35-minute time tonight. Ecclesiastes 4, we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. And here are some verses that uh, I include in, the, in any weddings that I do. Ephesians, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 4. Verses 9 through 12. But there's no way that Satan's going to come in this Christmas season and, and wreak havoc in your home, right? You're going to put a stop to it, right? You're going to fight back, right? Come on. So Ecclesiastes 4, we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. That's the truth. 
you can get a lot more done when you got two people. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? And I'm really blessed because I have kids that show up magically in my bed every night. It's great. So if two can keep each other warm, six can really keep each other warm. I love it. Love it. Wow. Okay. So verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There we go. That's the, that's, that's awesome right there. That's husbands and wives. But look at this. Look at this. It gets better. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. What is the third component to this relationship? It's Jesus having him as the third part of that cord. You've got mommy, you've got daddy. That's great and that is strong. But you wrap that around Jesus right in the middle. You've got a triple braided cord. That is hard to break. Hard. And that's what it tells us right here. It, it, uh, you're a lot better off. Two is a whole lot better than one. But I'll take three over two, especially when that third one is Jesus himself. Amen. And so a strong marriage. Wow. It is the best defense for a family and a strong family is an unstoppable force. It is absolutely incredible. And so the third thing we're going to say is this. So you got to stop him. If you know the attacks come, you got to stop it. And the third thing is, man, I'm going to attack him. I'm not just good. I don't want to just play defense with the devil. I want to attack him and do some damage to his kingdom. Now, if you're if you're watching Home Alone, which you ought to do, it's Christmas. You ought to watch one and two. You don't watch three, four, five, and six. Those are junk. One and two. You know this, right? Okay. And so I'm just letting you know. So, but but look, did little Kevin just sit there and guard the house? No, man. He tortured the people that tried to come and mess with his house, right? Come on. And I'm telling you, man, you're going to make the devil pay for messing with your family, right? I'm not just going to, oh, just leave us alone, please. Golly. It's no fair. Pick on someone else. Come on. If that, no. You fight back, man. Attack him. Do something about it. And so I don't want to just be defending attacks from the enemy. I want to make some progress in life. I know, I mean, I hear people say, well, I'm a survivor, you know, and that's fine, man. Be a survivor all you want to. You know, people call me a cancer survivor because of the leukemia thing. I didn't survive cancer. I kicked its butt, man. Uh, conquered cancer. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. And for you, do you want to just be a survivor or do you want to be a conqueror? In fact, it's better than that. Romans 8.37 says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Amen? And so I'm telling you now, I don't want to just stumble into heaven and like fall down right at the... Oh, I survived. Wow. That was rough. Woo! But I'm here. I survived life. If that is your goal is to just survive this thing, that that is a pretty pathetic... That is not cool. That's not good. You shouldn't just want to survive life, survive marriage, survive the... Just I just want to get it... I just want to get there, man. That's all I care. 
You, want, you should have this desire on the inside of you to be a conqueror, to be more than a conqueror, to take back what the devil has stolen from you and make him pay seven times like the book of Proverbs says. It says a thief that's caught, you make him pay seven times what he stole from you. And that's what I'm talking about tonight is not just leave us alone. I'm talking about attacking the devil himself making him pay sevenfold for what he tried to steal from you in the first place. Amen. Luke 10:19, one of my favorite Bible verses. Luke 10:19. Amen. Luke 10:19. But this this was a good night to come to church. Now I'm sure what Josh had was probably better, but I'm telling you right now, this is a good night to come to church. Luke 10:19. Let's get this. Luke 10 and verse 19. And, and man, I love this because Jesus sent out, if you look, if you're reading the chapter, 72 disciples. And he told them, hey, man, go cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, go, go do the works that I've done. And they come back and, and, and they had gone out and they cast the devil out of people. And they were shocked. They're like, oh, my gosh, it worked. Oh, <laughs> it actually worked. And that shouldn't be a response when a prayer gets answered. <laughs> it actually worked. Oh, my gosh, I didn't expect anything to happen. That's, you should expect things to happen when you pray. But so these guys, they come back to Jesus and, and they're shocked. They said, Lord, even the devils obey us when we use your name. But, but look here, Luke 10 and verse 19, he says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. I've given you. And so some people say, well, he said these things to his 12 disciples. No, that's stupid. There was at least 72 right here. So he wasn't, he was absolutely not just talking to the 12. We have a minimum of 72 right here. And so he says, I've given you the authority over all the works of the enemy. All the works of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. So we have this authority. And if we read this, you know, the previous verses, it's in the name of Jesus. And he said it's over all the works of the enemy. And so, what does that mean? That means anything that Satan brings against my life, I've got authority in the name of Jesus to put a stop to it. Now, there's been some times that I've done dumb things and, you know, brought stupid things into my life. And I, I'd like to blame the devil, but I can't give him credit. I was dumb enough to do it myself. Now, I need to, you know, I rebuke me, not him. But at the same time, if there's something going on in my life and it's a work of the devil, I absolutely have the authority in the name of Jesus to put a stop to it. And believe me, I do. I do. If, if there's an attack from the absolutely, I will use the name of Jesus and I will resist it. What did James, James foretells is to submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And I love these words. All the works of the enemy, he will flee. Those are no two ways about it. Definite, 100% guaranteed. Those are real words. All and will. He will flee if you're submitted to God. And if you're using the name of Jesus, the devil has to flee. And so I'm telling you, fight back. My last verse tonight is Ephesians six seventeen. Ephesians 6 and verse 17. Do we have anybody in here tonight that's willing to put up a fight for your family? I fight all day long, man. I will fight for my family. 
Ephesians 6 and verse 17. And this is talking about the armor of God. And we did a study on this, remember, a few months ago, our Call of Duty series? All right. So here we are, though, in Ephesians 6 and verse 17, talking about the armor of God. And then right here it is. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's your weapon, the word of God. And so when it, when it goes through the armor of God, it lists a whole bunch of defensive things, a lot of armor, a, a lot of a lot of things to block yourself with. But it lists this one offensive weapon. It says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so if you got if you he said, this is your weapon right here. How many of us are actually using the weapon? Or are we just on defense? Oh, leave me alone, devil. Get away. Jesus, stop it. Are, are we just sitting there cowering and blocking shots and letting him take all the shots? Or are we ever actually getting the weapon out and using it? Because there's a lot of Christians that they're, they're totally on defense. They're never on offense. They, they don't even know how to use the thing. They have no idea how to use the weapon. That, sending our soldiers and Marines out there and, well, here's your rifle. Best of luck. You'll figure it out if you really need to. That's what we do to a lot. That's how a lot of Christians are living there. They have, they've got this weapon and it's right there. It's the only thing that they, they need. It's the weapon that God gave us and they are, they have no idea how to use it. Well, I, there's a lot of way, and this is a whole deeper study that we don't, but I'm telling you now, you need to be reading it, obviously, step one, and you need to be speaking it out of your mouth. You better be speaking the word of God out of your mouth. That's how, man, man, it is a powerful weapon. And so, whenever whenever Satan knocks on the door with something, how do you answer? You respond with the word of God. He comes and says, no, man, you're, you're getting sick. Your whole family's getting sick. Do I just sit there and say, please, no, not, this, is, this could not be worse timing. Please leave us alone. If that's your response to the devil, you are going to get clowned around your entire life, man. You're going to get thumped. How do you answer that? You answer with the word. No, I'm not. First Peter 2.24 says that by Jesus' stripes, by his wounds, I have been healed. Matthew 8.17 says Jesus came to take my sickness and remove my disease. No, I resist you in the name of Jesus. You speak up and you do something about it. And so you need to have some scriptures that you know how to use. These are these are bullets in your rifle. This is how you use the sword of the spirit. And so um, since I'm a nice guy, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm going to give you a couple verses tonight. Write them down. I'm doing you a solid right here. OK, these are some, these are some verses for you. OK, you should write down Joshua 24, verse 15. Joshua 24, verse 15. Because Joshua in this, he's, he's an old man and he's talking to the Israelites and some of them are wandering off and starting to, to, to go and worship other gods and, and mix with the culture around them. And Joshua said, fine, you know what? Do whatever you want to do. If you want to serve the gods of the Amorites on the other side of the river, if you want to serve the gods of the, that's fine. Do what you want to do. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24:15. You better know that verse and you better speak it out and say, I don't care what my kids are acting like right now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This family serves God, whether no, if anybody else, if we're the only family in Barstow, 
that chooses to serve God, we are going to do it. Even if nobody else does. As for, as for me and my we will serve the Lord. You all do you. But for us, we will serve the Lord. Even if nobody else does. Joshua 24, 15. Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be shown to be in the wrong, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And so you should know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. When the devil comes huffing and puffing and trying to blow your house down, you better know that Isaiah 54:17 says no weapon formed against this household is going to prosper. Romans 8:37. I love it. It says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. But I like the NLT. It says overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. Now, it's it's nice to win. Hey, I like to get a win any way I can. But I like to do like the Colts did to the Cowboys on Sunday when it was an overwhelming victory, people. Come on. Mm. Mm. That was a that was a beat down. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> OK. Cletus, John, forget that happened. Do not meet me in the parking lot. You guys are bigger than me. All right. But I'll say this, though. In life, is it fun to just barely squeak by and get, well, we, we, we won. That's okay. But listen to me. I like the overwhelming victory. And that's a promise from God's word. It says overwhelming victory. That's Romans 8:37. You should be writing these down. But anyway, that's, that's, if you don't, that's fine. That's between you and God. And then 1 John 4:4. 4, 4. Man. The list could go on and on. We could do this all night long. We could literally sit here and do this all night long. But 1 John 4, 4, it says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. That's good news right there. Greater is he. So there's an enemy in this world. I'm not scared. Because greater is he who lives inside of me than the one that is in this world. I've got nothing to worry about. You need to know these verses and many, many more. But this is just to give you a little bit of a jump start, a little cheat sheet, a little something to help you out. And so through everything that we've said tonight, and I tell people this, the most common thing that I hear every week, 52 weeks a year, because people come to me, many of you in this room have come to me and mom and dad and Josh and Julie with family trouble, with marriage trouble. And people are so ashamed. And I say, listen, <laughs> This is this is the most common thing that ever gets uh, every week. I have marriages come to us and families come to us. You're not some freak of nature. If you have marriage trouble, you would almost be a freak of nature. You'd you'd be a unicorn if you never had one. You don't you wouldn't exist. (laughs) Listen, if you if you got married, if you got family, listen, that's that is because you're a human being living with other human beings. You're not a freak of nature. But. You need to do something about it. You need to fight the good fight of faith. You need to stand up and not let the enemy bulldoze your family over. And so this is a very winnable battle. No matter what you know your situation is right now, uh, with, it's a very, very winnable battle. Very winnable. But it takes making Jesus the foundation of that household. You've got to lay that house on solid rock. And when you do, storms will come. The enemy will come and huff and puff. And it will knock every other house on the block down. But yours is still standing. Because you took the time. And it takes time. It takes a while to lay a proper foundation. You don't just do it in one night. 
It takes a minute to lay the right foundation. It takes getting up and getting those kids to church when you don't feel it. It takes opening your Bible when you don't. It takes reading and, 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 and praying when you're tired. It, it, yeah, it takes a little bit of that. But it is well worth it when that house is still standing after a hurricane. Amen? All right, I'm out of time. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.